Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of Kumo tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios Wednesday edition. I hope all of you are having spectacular starts to your morning. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Plan was to talk a lot about the NBA, college basketball, and the interplay between the two as the NBA announces it's going to get more involved Uh, in the overall decision-making process of young basketball players who may have more options instead of going straight into college basketball and having to wait for a year before they can enter the NBA. The NBA may get more involved, and we're going to talk about that. But late last night, there was a story that came out from, let's see, uh, from the Willamette Week. Um, This is a... Uh, newspaper in the Portland area, I believe, and this could get ugly. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, there was the report that the Dallas Mavericks, their team president, one of the writers and video editors on their staff had behaved inappropriately uh, around women. And the team president had already left and taken another job and he'd already been fired from that job. But the writer who was on the staff, I believe it was at DallasMavs.com, was still employed, and he had been involved in two instances of domestic violence that police had investigated while he'd been with the Mavs, and he was subsequently fired. Mark Cuban claimed that he knew absolutely nothing about what had gone on and that he had never uh, in any way had any kind of relationship with the president of his organization or that he'd had any knowledge uh, of any of his alleged wrongdoing. That's the president. It seemed a little bit strange to a lot of us out there because we think, wait a minute, Mark Cuban is intimately involved on a regular basis with 
all sorts of uh, of Mavericks related issues. I mean, he's made his living, frankly, as a guy who was a hands on owner. Well, late last night, news came out that Mark Cuban was accused of sexual assault in 2011 in the city of Portland. Uh, Cuban was not charged, so there was an investigation, but he was not charged. But he did hire a defense attorney in Oregon, and witnesses were interviewed. Uh, the report says uh, the, the, that the Willamette Week wrote, is a 50-page police document that includes interviews between Cuban and the Portland Police Bureau. Uh, And the woman who alleged that she was sexually assaulted in the bar has a witness who uh, supported her allegation as well. Again, this is roughly seven years ago, and it's from the uh, Willamette Week, which I believe is a uh, newspaper in the Portland area. And the report says as follows, and I'm going to try to read it without violating FCC uh, regulations. The woman told police she encountered Cuban in late April at the Barrel Room uh, in Portland and asked him to pose with her for a photograph. While they smiled for the camera, she claimed he put his hand down the back of her jeans and uh, and groped her uh, there without her consent. Um and she said it was apparent he was very drunk, his eyes were half-closed, he was unstable on his feet, and he was slurring his words. The police report says as follows about uh, two of the pictures. In both images, Cuban's right shoulder is lowered, and he appears to be stretching to reach his arm down. In one of the pictures, his arm can be seen behind the victim, and it appears he's reaching down towards her, uh, her, her buttocks, uh, she uh, also the, the police officer also says they noted the alleged victim's expression. Her teeth are clenched, eyes wider than the other pictures, and brow raised, showing a look of surprise and strain. Now, when I read this, my initial uh, thought one is that the NBA is probably going to have to conduct an investigation now into Mark Cuban because of the era that we live in. If an allegation is made, uh, even if charges are not brought. It's an ugly incident for the NBA. Maybe if this were just standing alone, it's not written or or discussed or investigated in any substantial way, given that it's seven years ago. But given that right now the Dallas Mavericks are under, I would say, under an uncomfortable cloud of suspicion surrounding their president and also what Mark Cuban knew and the uh, the other individual, uh, the the writer that he employed there, I think it goes potentially to the overall culture of the Dallas Mavericks organization. Now, it's an ugly incident. It's important to remember Mark Cuban was uh, was cleared of wrongdoing. It was seven years ago. It was late at night in a bar. Uh, there is photographic evidence of the fact that the two people were interacting, and uh, and the suggestion is that uh, that the police investigated it and did not find that there was enough culpability on Mark Cuban's uh, part to bring charges. But it's certainly an ugly allegation to be out there, and it broke uh, late last night. Probably a lot of you have not heard about it yet, so I thought we should at least touch on this at the start of the uh, of the show. Mark Cuban, obviously a beloved owner in the Dallas area, much liked and uh, and respected sports owner, probably the most famous sports owner in the entirety of the uh, of the United States. 
and uh, this is an uh, you know an ugly incident that he is accused of doing something wrong. Now, the other thing I thought of was I believe, and one of you guys can look this up. I believe there was a sexual assault case involving Taylor Swift, also involving a photo being taken that almost is uh, is somewhat similar to what is alleged in this incident with with Mark Cuban that uh, that Taylor Swift was groped during a photo shoot with uh with it was, I, I a, believe, it was a denver morning show host yeah right like that yeah. was a big deal right didn't he get oh, charged yeah, with a yeah. crime and remember she remember she sued for one dollar because she and, just wanted to you know make a point that people can't do that right that's exactly right and she testified in that criminal trial right yep yeah and he she, was she and sure i believe did. he was convicted uh yeah he was found guilty he had to pay her the dollar and he he obviously lost his job at the radio station yeah, so it turned into a uh, it turned into a big story there. But have have you guys? I want to bring in the crew. Have you guys seen this story about Mark Cuban? Or am I hitting you with it with the before you? I mean, because it, it, again, it just happened late last night. So I think it's probably going to get a lot more attention today as the day progresses, given the environment that we live in today, and also given the fact that Dallas Mavericks were frankly under siege just a uh, just a couple of weeks ago with a story that Sports Illustrated wrote about inside their culture and the president of the organization as well as that writer. Um, had you guys seen this story? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so how much is it? I mean, I, I hadn't seen it until this morning, frankly. I mean, I, it happened last night while I was sleeping. I woke up uh, and just read it as we were preparing to go on to air. I mean, what do you do if you are Adam Silver in the NBA now? You have to conduct a full-scale independent investigation into Mark Cuban's behavior at this point, don't you? What he knew when he knew it. I mean, I guess this is an alternative Oregon newspaper that published the details. Prosecutors didn't pursue the case. There wasn't evidence to support the claim, according to prosecutors. He's denying it. So, I mean, I guess you have to do an investigation. I mean, there was a 50... Again, this is a league getting into a criminal situation, which you've talked about before, so this is tricky. I don't agree with it. I think that Roger Goodell has set a bad precedent for uh, the overall idea that leagues should investigate out of uh, out of you know totally out of sports related incidents. I thought, frankly, that the NBA should have been conducting an investigation into the Dallas Mavericks when I read that report two weeks ago inside the Mavs because I just frankly find it impossible to believe that Mark Cuban employed a president of his organization as plugged in as this guy was, and he never knew that the guy he employed was behaving in an inappropriate fashion, potentially. I just I find that to be impossible that he didn't know. Now, some of you may disagree, uh, but given how plugged in Mark Cuban was with the day-to-day, I think it would be arguably complete negligence on Mark Cuban's behalf if he employed this guy as president of his, inst- uh, of his organization and had no idea about what was going on. Now, we know that Mark Cuban, and this is, gets into a more difficult situation, we know that Mark Cuban employed a guy who had two different instances of domestic violence, the latter of which was against an employee inside the Dallas Mavericks organization. Now, Mark Cuban's defense was, hey, I thought this guy had an issue, and I was hoping that he was going to get his issue solved, and I thought that if I just kicked him to the curb, it would make him more likely to act out violently against another woman I was trying to solve his issues. That actually is, I think, notwithstanding the fact that we live in an era where as soon as someone is accused of domestic violence, it's like, oh, they're unemployable, oh, they can't be touched anymore. I do think that there is some legitimacy to Mark Cuban's idea 
that you need to treat and get these guys better more so than just kick their problem down the road and keep them from being employed, which probably makes domestic violence more uh, possible. Open up your phone lines. We're also going to go into the next segment and expand the conversation a little bit more. The Rockets have won their 15th game in a row. I just didn't want to ignore the allegations against Mark Cuban. Rockets have won their 15th game in a row. Are they legitimate threats for the Golden State Warriors? Uh, We will also talk about the NBA getting involved. I'm going to bring in Jason Martin and have him walk us through the ideas that the NBA is considering to make uh, them uh, be able to get involved in 15, 16, 17, and 18-year-old star athletes in uh, in high school type basketball futures instead of just allowing handlers and agents and shoe companies to be involved and not allow the NBA which is their ultimate destination to be involved the NBA now saying they're going to get involved how could this impact college basketball all that and more I am Clay Travis we're listening to you're listening to outkick the coverage uh, give you an idea, by the way, of the roadmap for the show. For those of you out there who may have downloaded the podcast or the millions of you who will be downloading the podcast, we're going to talk to John Campbell as we do every Wednesday from Odd Shark here in Hour 1, have him break down the conference tournaments in the NCAA, as well as we'll ask him about the Rockets and the NBA uh, futures and more. All of that uh, still to come. We will in Hour 2. Talk to our guy, Jeff Schwartz, uh, who uh, joins us every single Wednesday. See what he thought of the NFL Combine. He is adamant that the Cleveland Browns cannot draft Saquon Barkley number one overall, and he insists that they absolutely have to go with a quarterback. If he is going to say they have to go with a quarterback, who does he believe the Browns should take? And in hour three, we'll talk to our girl, Britt McHenry, and uh, see whether or not she has seen the movie Die Hard yet. All of that in terms of guests still to come. Lots of fun. Three hours still to go. My name is Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage. Thanks for spending your Wednesday with us here on Fox Sports Radio. Taylor Swift bringing us back. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. As well, keep in mind, boys and girls, I'm trying to keep you alive. If you think a train will stop if it sees your car on the tracks, you're right, it will. About a mile after it hits you, stop. Trains can't. A lot of discussions. We talked some with Bruce Pearl yesterday on this show about the the conflict and, and difficulty that the NCAA finds itself surrounding whether or not players are eligible or ineligible. Those players are highly sought after and have potential professional careers. So far, the NBA has tried to keep its distance from these kids when they're 16, 17, 18 years old. Now, in the wake of what I would call the scandal surrounding the payment of players who may go to college for as little as nine months, the NBA is starting to get more proactive instead of allowing college basketball to just be a de facto minor league and then draft out of college basketball for all the American-born players. They're now talking about giving them a pathway to the NBA that might be different than just allowing them to go direct to the league, LeBron James and Kobe Bryant style, and instead allow them to kind of partly go into the league through a new pathway Jason Martin, what are the details kind of succinctly here of what the NBA is trying to pull off? Looks like here in the next couple of months, they've talked to the Players Union. They've talked to USA Basketball. They've talked to other parties. They've talked to people that have gone through the one-and-done rule and the ones that existed before the one-and-done rule. 
and are expected sometime later in the spring. I would say they may wait, I guess, until after the finals, or maybe it'll come out before that. They've sat down and they've discussed a solution to change one and done, but it wouldn't just change it. It would basically eliminate it. It would restructure how kids from around age 15 through high school could approach basketball careers. This could destroy the AAU. It could destroy some things that the NCAA certainly wants to do because it would give a way for those that graduate that might not be ready for the league to also earn a meaningful salary. Right now, the G League salary is around $26,000 a year. Which is insanely low. Yes. Yeah, like you can't live on that. That's absolutely ridiculous. So the NBA has created an in-between for the G League and NBA rosters with double contracts, two-way contracts, and players can earn about seventy-five grand there, and then they earn an NBA mil- uh, minimum when they join the parent club. So what that's leading to is a lot of these guys going overseas trying to find places to play. Also, the guys that don't want to go to college are having to go overseas and find places to play. So in the wake of the scandal, 13 years ago, David Stern basically said, we want all NBA agents out of high school gyms. We don't want NBA scouts. We don't want NBA personnel in high school gyms at all. Adam Silver wants them back in, and he wants them in force back in. He wants to now kind of start talking to these guys around age 15, 16 years old, and try to steer them, try to help them along their way, try to give them NBA teaching, try to teach them nutrition, try to help them out. They even discussed the idea of basketball academies, but they've decided at least for the time being that they're not going to do that. They've also talked about potentially seeking partnerships with those evil shoe companies, which have been right there at the center of part of this NCAA scandal, certainly at Louisville. We know that very, very well. So basically, they want to get involved. They've decided they want to get involved with these kids faster than before, that the one and done is ridiculous, but that there are some prospects that obviously are ready to go straight to the NBA, and if they want to do that, there will be a pathway to do that. But those that don't, they're also going to find a way to help them out the entire time as well. So it's going to make it – basically, they don't want to see a bunch of people leave this country, and they don't want to see the NCAA be the only place as a feeder system where these kids aren't able to make a living, aren't able to help their families out, aren't able to do any of these kinds of things. And honestly, this is pretty brilliant by Adam Silver. This is Adam Silver again stepping in in a situation where the optics are perfect for the NBA to get involved. LeBron's already talked about this. Some of the other – success stories from back in the day have come out and talked about this as well but a way to get these ultra elite players into the NBA faster but also touch them earlier so that they can actually already be more prepared for what's going to come for them in the NBA this is pretty good there's a lot more detail but that's sort of where they are right now it's 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 impressive I like it I think honestly this sounds a lot like what happens with soccer in Europe And in in America, we've had a strange fixation on the idea that college is the pathway to professional sports that doesn't exist in most of the rest of the world. And I think that's probably because it used to be that college football and college basketball were more popular than the NFL and the NBA. And I don't think that the overall popularity of college basketball is going to be negatively impacted here. But if you look at what happens in soccer – in most of the rest of the world, 
one of the reasons why the argument is we're behind in soccer and not going to have a team at the World Cup, for instance, here in Russia in a few years, or sorry, in a few months, one of the reasons that people argue that that happens is because we don't have this kind of rigorous training of our young, most skilled athletes in soccer like the rest of Europe does, and even like they have in Asia and in Africa as well, which is you go find the best guys at 12 or 13 or 14 years old, and you basically bring them in and start developing them all the time. And that's why the European teams, for instance, are so much more skilled than we are. They aren't more athletic. They're just more skilled because their guys have passed the ball uh, tens of thousands, millions probably more time than our guys have because they go into these academies and they're trained well in the uh, the mechanics of being a great soccer player long before we have done so in the United States when we've still got this hodgepodge of travel teams and you might have a good travel team coach or you might have a bad one. It's in- intensely expensive in the United States, for instance, to develop a soccer kid, whereas the uh, the teams and the, uh, the, the clubs take on the ownership and the cost of bringing in somebody. I wonder on some level whether it wouldn't make sense. You know, we have the IMG Academy, for instance, down in Florida. I wonder on some level whether it wouldn't make sense to ha- have the Nike Academy, have the Adidas Academy, have the Under Armour Academy, the 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 the, the, the Fila Academy, or whatever other shoe companies are out there that could afford to do this, to start bringing in the best players, put them in a dorm, work with them, starting at like 15, 16, 17 years old, have a high school, legitimately educate them, don't just bring them in to play basketball, and develop them in a way so that they're ready potentially to go pro at 18, how would you justify it? Well, you would recoup the first part of their salary uh, by guaranteeing that they signed with you. So if you had somebody at the Nike Academy and they get drafted at 18 years old as a part of the Nike uh, family, well, then Nike would have the, uh, the shoe contract with you and recoup whatever they had invested in you. And as a result, every kid wouldn't go pro. A lot of these kids could go into college. But if you did eventually become an NBA star, under your, say, let's rookie, your rookie contract, you were committed already to a shoe company. And as a result, the shoe companies were able to invest a lot more money in all the other kids that they're trying to develop. I can see how that could make a decent amount of sense. And then it kind of puts everything above board and you would, you know, the shoe companies would all compete to have the best training and the best facilities. And I mean, it's a little bit like a uh, college almost. And if you were mature enough at 15, 16, 17, or 18 years old, you would go in there almost as a finishing school, much like soccer academies exist in Europe. We would have basketball academies here. And, you know, we kind of have that a little bit because we have guys going to big-time prep schools who uh, who are basically going there just for basketball. But I think this would be a more efficient system. And, I, look, I don't believe college basketball is in major trouble here because I think the lesson of college basketball that a lot of the pay-the-players people out there screaming about pay-the-players, pay-the-players don't get is that people are rooting not for the name on the back of the jersey so much in college basketball as the name on the front of the jersey. If Kentucky and UNC don't have elite one-and-done players and those guys are going straight to the NBA instead, the number of people who show up in Rupp Arena and show up to root for for North Carolina and Indiana and all these places that have really built-in huge fan bases is not going to change. They are going to root just as hard for these guys 
as they for the guys that aren't as talented as they did for the guys that are talented. Now maybe the overall quality of the high level one and done player in college basketball uh, declines. But if you look at the best teams now, they typically have a lot of third and fourth year guys, guys who want to play college basketball and are not able or talented enough to leave directly for the NBA. So I don't think this would impact college basketball in a negative way at all. And I think it is proactive and smart of the NBA to acknowledge that it makes sense. Now, I think the challenge in general is that a lot of NBA teams didn't want to have 18-year-old guys on the bench. But if you think about it, they've expanded the size of NBA rosters since uh, they initially would have drafted LeBron James back in the day and Kobe Bryant. I believe I'm correct that every NBA team has 15 people dress on the roster now I think I'm correct in that so the size of the rosters have expanded to a decent degree you have the ability to send guys back and forth to the G League so there's almost a minor league system that could be built into the NBA now and allow guys to go out and get some of these top 18 year olds and develop them and see if they turn into stars let me bring in Eddie Garcia and then on the backside we're going to talk here with John Campbell about all the conference uh, basketball tournaments going on in college but uh, let's begin first with eddie garcia what's shaking my man well clint let's check in real quick on the nba where we had two teams hit the 50 win mark one of them the houston rockets who have won 16 games in a row after a 122 112 win over the thunder in oklahoma city and the warriors hit the 50 win mark with a 114 101 win over the nets right now houston has a top record in the west and the nba half game up on golden state because the warriors have one more loss top team in the east the raptors beat the hawks 106 90 and the pelicans have won nine in a row after a one. 21-116 went over the Clippers. College basketball, five more teams are into the NCAA tournament, including Gonzaga, who's going for the 20th straight year after winning the West Coast Conference tournament title. College of Charleston's going to the tournament for the first time since 1999. They won the Colonial Athletic Association. Also going to the tournament, Wright State, South Dakota State, and Long Island University of Brooklyn. This report's brought to you by TrueCar. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from TrueCar. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And another story developing in college basketball, there's a report that Memphis is considering firing head coach Tubby Smith and replacing him with Penny Hardaway. Smith's in his second season with Memphis. He's 19-12, heading into the American Athletic Conference Tournament. Hardaway, who played at Memphis, from 91 to 93 and then became an NBA All-Star is currently the head coach at East High School in Memphis, Tennessee. That would be amazing. I mean, there seems to be a lot in basketball with giving guys gigs that they weren't necessarily high-level coaches before, right? I mean, Steve Kerr comes in, for instance, the Golden State Warriors and hasn't even spent, I think that's correct, a day as a head basketball coach at all. But you know that he has the ability to do so just because of experience in the game. I'm sure that there's nothing in the uh, in the NBA or college basketball or certainly high school that would surprise Penny Hardaway about being the head coach of Memphis, and he is much beloved in that city. But, man, they've had a tempestuous time with that job ever since John Calipari left for Kentucky. Um, and, uh, man, what a craziness. Uh, coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. John Campbell, we're talking some about the NBA and college basketball, obviously, as we start this show now that we are on into March, and it is the conference basketball tournaments that are underway in many places this week. But let's start in the NBA, if, if I can with you. The Rockets win their 15th in a row last night over the Oklahoma City uh, Thunder. They are now, uh, I'm looking at the Odd Shark official Twitter feed, 
They are now plus 350 in NBA futures. That is three and a half to one to win the overall NBA title. They opened the season at seven to one. So a lot of money has come in on the Rockets. In your mind, are they a legitimate threat to the Warriors in the Western Conference? And are they the biggest threat to the Warriors overall? Is it fair to say now in basketball, even more so than LeBron or the Cavs or anybody from the Eastern Conference? I don't think so. I don't think they're going to beat the Warriors, and, and the Warriors odds have come down a little bit here too. They're they're now at minus one fifty, so you're getting a little bit better price on them as well. But I, I don't think so. I better team than they were last year. I just I just don't think they they can stop defensively Golden State or or, or Cleveland if if they happen to be Golden State on the other side. I just think Cleveland has more talent and, and uh, the ability to score, the ability to stop a, a little bit more than Houston does. Uh, when it comes to these top teams. It's interesting. We're talking to John Campbell from Oddshark. You can follow him on Twitter at Johnny Oddshark. The the overall um, landscape also, I saw the futures come out from Oddshark about where LeBron is potentially going to go. Uh, Right now it is plus 250 that he stays with the Cleveland Cavaliers, but it is also plus 250, so the two favorites right now would be the Houston Rockets. There seems to be some momentum to the idea that LeBron James could leave where he is right now, obviously with Cleveland in the offseason. It's going to be a major topic of discussion what LeBron's going to do all throughout June once the NBA Finals are over as we move into July. If I remember correctly, Kevin Durant announced on July 4th that he would be joining the Warriors. This would be a hell of a move if LeBron James went and joined the Rockets in the offseason, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, Le- LeBron wants to win at this point. I think. I think he's he, he's thinking ahead to his legacy at this point and wants to get as many championships as he as he can here. I, I don't think it's good for the NBA if he goes there. Or uh, there, he put out that story earlier this year that he wanted to go to the Warriors too. And I think he just wants to win now. So I think anything can happen here uh, with in terms of where he he wants to go. And he could change his mind last minute. We've seen him do that before. It's college basketball, I've always said, is like a six-week sport. As soon as the Super Bowl is over, a lot of people pivot their attention to college basketball. And once the calendar officially turns to March, I feel like it becomes our national obsession. And that begins, for many people, this week with all the games going on all throughout the day. We have now the conference basketball tournaments off and running. For instance, I'm going to be in St. Louis on Friday and Saturday watching the SEC basketball tournament with my friends at the Home Loan uh, Expert, uh, com. They've got a uh, awesome suite. We're doing a cool giveaway there uh, for, for OutKick listeners and readers, and that's going to be a lot of fun. But there's also a lot of gambling going on in general on these conference tournaments. Is that a better overall play in terms of value than the NCAA tournament where a lot more money rolls in? I know you've been giving out picks and gambling a lot on this. Do you like the conference tournaments more than the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I do. I, I This is my favorite week in, in college basketball, one of my favorite weeks to bet of the year in anything. And I, there's a lot more value here for betters this week than there is next week. There are just so many more games, so much more for odds makers to, to try to keep track of. And you can really zero in on a conference or two and, and find some great spots if you know that conference well. 
uh, books are having a, they have a tough time this week getting all these lines out in a timely way. So you can find some great spots. Uh, there's just so many more games, so many, so many uh, different things happening in those games. And I think as a better, you can win a lot more money. Uh, they're, they're much better prepared for March Madness. March Madness has more hype publicly, but this is a tougher one to handicap for the books. When you look at the conference tournaments, which one do you like to gamble on the most this week? Uh, so there's obviously a lot of games going on. You can look around at uh, you know some of the things like the West Coast Conference. Gonzaga closes it out last week. Uh, but, for instance, today, and uh, we've got the ACC officially underway. We've got the SEC. I mean, there are just so many games in general that are taking place right now. What do you like uh, of the Wednesday games as we get rolling? Like, for instance... At uh, at what is it noon Eastern? We've got Louisville and Florida State. That's a game that Louisville essentially, I think, has to win in order to be able to feel very comfortable about having a chance to make the NCAA tournament. You've got Boston College, NC State. I mean, you got Air Force. You, I mean, literally, there are games going on all day. If you're a gambler, this is heaven. It's starting a week early, even earlier than the NCAA tournament. What do you like today? Um, well, there are a couple I like today. Uh, I, I'm leaning to Florida State over Louisville in that one there. And, and in the ACC, I like NC State minus three against BC. I thought BC looked terrible in their win yesterday over Georgia Tech. And I think NC State matches up much better uh, against them here. So I really like NC State in that one. The Big East is, is a tournament I'll be following uh, all week. And um, I, I, I like both games today. I like Georgetown getting four and a half points plus four and a half against St. John's. Uh, and I like Marquette minus six. They're my dark horse in this one, a great three-point shooting team. So Marquette minus six uh, is another one I like. I'll be following the Big East throughout. But, uh, but yeah, I keep an eye on the, on the ACC, the Big East. Those are a couple of my favorites. Um, another kind of dark horse one I like, I like Utah 9-1 in the Pac-12. I think they're a real tough team that, that, could, come, uh, that could come and surprise some people. In uh, the Big East, Creighton is the team that I think could surprise people as well. They can score. They're the, they're the eighth best scoring team in the nation. They're eight to one. I do think Nova's going to win that one, but uh, Creighton could surprise some people. A couple other interesting games, I think. Notre Dame, not a lot of people have paid attention to them, but they've had major injury issues. They're playing against uh, Virginia Tech, and Virginia Tech is in. They beat Duke, I think it was recently, uh, or maybe it was UNC. I can't remember which team they beat by one. I think it was Duke. Uh, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech. Notre Dame is a two-point favorite. They could find their way onto the outskirts of this bubble. And then also a team that obviously got a ton of attention early and then has just completely fallen apart. And it's a big rivalry game in football. We call it Bedlam, but it's a big rivalry game in basketball too. And it's a first-round game in the Big 12. Oklahoma against Oklahoma State. What do you think of those two games? Well, yeah, neither one of those teams can seem to play any defense with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State uh, this year. So uh, I, I'd be looking to uh, the over in that one and and a slight lean to Oklahoma. Um, in the other one, Notre Dame just did not look very good. They barely uh, scraped past Pitt, a team that hasn't won a game in the ACC. But uh, that goes to a trend that shows that big dogs, dogs of 15 points uh, or more, cover at 57% in conference tournaments going back to 2001. So not a huge surprise that Pitt, that Pitt won there yesterday. I do think Notre Dame is going to be a little bit better today, but I just think Virginia Tech's a better team. So getting points, I'm, I'm going to go with the Hokies. You, uh, congratulations, had a great 
record. And in particular, I think you hit on Michigan at 7-1 to one to win that overall tournament in Madison Square Garden that was played last week. It's going to surprise some people who haven't been paying attention. Big Ten tournament's already done. They have to sit out for a week now. I think you gave us Utah. Any other teams out there that you like on the future side to potentially be winning these conference tournaments that have some decent payoffs? Yeah, a couple others. Uh, West Virginia is one I like, plus 340, uh, to win the Big 12. They they shortened their bench a few weeks ago, and they've been playing a lot better since then. Good inside-outside game, and, and uh, at, at between 3-1 to one and 4-1, to one, I think there's good value there for them. Uh, I think the SEC is totally wide open, so if you have a hunch on a team on that one, I think anybody can win that one. Auburn's favorite at plus 370. So that one's wide open. I think Virginia is the best team in the ACC. They're the second favorite, though. They're plus 230, uh, and I do think they're going to win that one, win the ACC. Outstanding stuff, as always, John Campbell. Appreciate you joining us on uh, Wednesday every morning as you do. You can follow John Campbell at Oddshark at johnnyoddshark.com. Appreciate the time, my man. Thanks, Clay. That is John Campbell. We're rolling on. You know what it's time for? I don't think we've done it yet this week. Let's have some fun. Let's do some Animal Thunderdome. Find out what's shaking in the world of humans versus animals. Final segment, Hour 1. We are rolling. Hour 2 will be joined by Jeff Schwartz, breaking down everything NFL-wise. But next, it's man versus human. It's Animal Thunderdome on OutKick, the coverage. When you're hiring, you don't want to waste time sorting through dozens of irrelevant resumes. You want an efficient way to get to a short list of qualified candidates. That's why you need Indeed.com. Post a job in minutes, set up screener questions based on your job requirements, then zero in on unqualified candidates, on, sorry, qualified candidates, more importantly, qualified candidates using an intuitive online dashboard. Discover why 3 million businesses use Indeed for hiring. Post a job today at Indeed.com com slash hire search for greatness search indeed all right speaking of searching for greatness we're searching for animal thunderdome greatness cue music boys ladies and gentlemen i'm just glad i was there boys and girls i thought he thought i was like this ginormous piece of chicken dying times here this is Animal Thunderdome. But next, it's man versus human. It's Animal Thunderdome. Yes. Oh wow, new addition there. I didn't know what that was. Yes, it's yeah. That was you in the last segment saying man versus human. Oh, but next, it's man versus human. It's Animal I, Thunderdome. I didn't even notice that. Maybe, maybe. What I was subtly alluding to is that we're not sure whether animals are trying to become humankind. All right, I'm going to give you a choice. I'm going to give you a choice, Clay. Cow, snake, mountain lion first. Cow. Yeah, I think you got it right. A cow has been living alone on an island, attacking (laughs) anyone who comes near after staging a miraculous escape on its way to a slaughterhouse. Last month... This cow tries to get away after it refuses to get into a lorry that was taking it to be killed for meat. It rammed into a metal fence before making a dash for nearby Lake Nysa in South Poland. The cow's owner attempted to get it back to the farm, and the cow broke one of his arms, according to a Polish news show. News show. It then entered the water and swam, and yes, cows can swim, to one of the islands in the middle of the lake, the owner said he even saw it dive underwater once 
on its way. The owner tried for a week and failed to get the cow back, gave up, and then decided to like start boating over a little bit of food or just trying to get enough food over to it to keep it alive. Firefighters used a boat eventually to get to the island. The cow swam about 50 meters to a neighboring peninsula to get away from the firefighters. A vet was then called in to tranquilize this cow ran out of gas cartridges and said that it would take several days to get new ones. This then becomes a major story in Poland. A politician and a former musician raised the animal's plight in a Facebook post earlier this week in which he offered to pay for the, quote, hero cow to be saved from death. She escaped heroically and infiltrated the island in the middle of the lake, where it remains today. She did not succumb to firefighters who wanted to transport her by boat, and she was still on the battlefield. And a local politician has reportedly agreed that this cow must live after the ordeal captures public attention. That is an amazing story. It is amazing. I mean, that sounds like the next Pixar movie to me. If I'm right now waking up early in L.A., Working at Pixar, I'm like, hey, we just sold our next movie. It's it's about the cow that moves to the island and lives on its own to avoid going to the slaughterhouse. I'd watch that. I'd root for that cow. That's an amazing success story. It's a smart cow. Yeah. And uh, did you know cows could swim? I thought they probably could, but I, I don't know that I've ever seen one. I definitely wouldn't think that the part of the story that was amazing to me is I definitely wouldn't have thought that the cow could go underwater. Like, yeah. you know, like swim underneath the water and like look around and then come back up. Like, I wouldn't have thought that a cow could hold its breath and go underwater. That was, I would assume that they could swim. I think all animals can swim. Like, that's my assumption that no matter what animal you can think of, if you throw it in water, it would be able to swim. Is that a crazy assumption? Can you think mm. of an animal that would drown if you just threw it in water? Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I feel like most of them could swim. I haven't seen an elephant swim before. But I'm not saying they couldn't. They could certainly swim. I mean, they're in water all the time. A desert tortoise would just sink to the bottom. A desert tortoise? Yeah. (laughs) You just, because you don't think they've been around water before? Well, no. I mean, they drink water, obviously, but they can't swim. They're not, you know, they're not water turtles. You think okay, here we go. Legend has it. Camels are the only land animals that cannot swim. See, and I think camels can swim. Gorillas... Alternative claims say gorillas cannot swim, nor can most armadillos. I think they all can swim. We need to test this. The armadillo thing, they're everywhere now around Nashville. We just need to get an armadillo and throw it in a swimming pool and see what happens. Is that animal cruelty? (laughs) Uh, It sure sounds like it. (laughs) I think it would swim. It's not animal cruelty if you think it would swim. It's like how you teach kids how to swim sometimes back in the day. You just throw them right in the water. you got to find out whether the armadillo can swim or not. You think the tank would sink it? I'm not sure. More Animal Thunderdome next. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote as well. Trying to keep you alive. If you think a train will stop if it sees your car on the tracks, you're right. It will. About a mile after it hits you, stop. Trains can't. My theory, all animals can swim. Some just don't know it yet. Like, I think that the ape can swim. It just doesn't know that it's what it has to do to get in the water because, in general, getting in the water is a dangerous thing to do for an animal that lives in trees. So I think that an ape, if, if that's the argument, I think every animal can swim. I don't think there is a animal out there that would die if you just threw it in water. 
I think every animal, now they might panic, just like a person who can't swim might panic if you just throw them in water. But mammals, i.e. humans, we can swim. It's just a matter of do we innately immediately do it or not. Um, I think that almost all animals innately do it. Like when the survival instincts uh, kicks in, like that cow in Poland that swam to the Polish island and has become a hero in Poland. I think now I didn't think that a cow could go underwater. A scuba cow is a little bit like that. Like I didn't think that a cow could intentionally hold its breath and go underwater and then come back up. That's a little bit scary. Like imagine how scared you would be if you were just randomly on this island in Poland and you were out swimming and then like out of nowhere a cow just surfaced right beside you. Like I would lose my mind. It's scary enough. I went swimming with dolphins on the vacation uh, we had. The dolphins are big, right? Like big aquatic animals. If a dolphin just surfaces next to you in the water and you don't expect it, it's terrifying, but you can think to yourself, oh, okay, that's a dolphin. You'll probably think it's a shark and expect to die, but maybe you would recognize it was a dolphin if you looked at it long long enough, you saw the blowhole, it wasn't trying to eat you, all of those things. But if a cow just came up right beside you in the water, I mean, I would lose my mind. If I was out swimming in a lake and one minute I was like, thought I was in the lake by myself and the next minute a cow came up, I would be like, this... Something has gone really astray here that this cow can make a play like this. Uh, But what additional info do we have about my hypothesis that all animals can swim in the Animal Thunderdome here as we continue? There have been a lot of studies done, and there have been a lot of legends that have been debunked. We mentioned the armadillo. The armadillo can apparently counterbalance weight by gulping down air to inflate its stomach and intestines that can then push it across water. There you go. So that one's that one's debunked, but the hang on now. Now apes can learn to swim, but ethologist Robert Yerkes recounts a story from the turn of the 20th century in which William Hornaday, who founded the Bronx Zoo, took a tame orangutan to a creek to bathe, put him in against his will, he turned his heels up in an instant. His old head went down as, quote, it had been filled with lead instead of brains. Yerkes himself describes throwing young chimps into water to see if they sink or swim. Without exception, they struggle and then sink. For this reason, moats are often used in zoos to prevent apes from escaping. So apes technically can learn to swim, but don't know it innately. The other animal out there is a giraffe. Giraffes have a hard time keeping their heads above water, their nostrils clear, so they don't really swim either. They can float, but they have a, uh, it seems like they have a lot of trouble breathing because of something that's going on with their face and with their nostrils. So that's, I think those are the only two that I would say really stand out as potentially not being able to swim. Even would, bats can swim. I would say this about the giraffe. The giraffe, I think, is more about the physics of the animal. Like, a giraffe is really pretty ridiculous looking if you stand next to it. So it makes some sense to me that it would be hard for an animal with a neck that long to manage to keep its neck above the water. Racist. I mean, you know, also, how is it, it, it by racist against giraffes? They have long necks. That's a fact. Is that an insult now? No, you it's said, like a white. You said it's like you, a fast white guy at the combine. You, yeah, Clay. when you stand next to it, it's a. It, what did you call it? It's freakish. The giraffe <laughs> is a freakish animal. Racist. If you, it's not. I'm not racist against giraffes. When you stand next to a giraffe at a zoo, and you see like the way that the giraffe is created, 
Like, it's a freaky animal. It has a really long neck. It has a really strong base. Uh, there's no there's no reason why you would think that a giraffe would exist as an animal exists. Like, most animals you can look at and be like, oh, okay, like, I can see how that animal would have evolved. Over time, you wouldn't think that something with a long neck was just going to keep getting a longer neck <sighs> and that that would end up being the way that the animal lives. Clay, we've, we've got PETA on line two. Because <laughs> I'm racist against giraffes? <laughs> I'm not judging giraffes. I'm just saying they're freaky looking. Is that a, is that a racist thing to say about giraffes? So here's they did an experiment. Are they going to protest? They didn't, actually, <laughs> they didn't actually put giraffes in the water because, well, how would you even do that? You'd have to create a, a giraffe-sized tank to try and test this. But what they found in this simulation was that giraffes could float. The head was close to the surface, but keeping the nostrils clear is a problem. Drag on the creature's long limbs would make it ungainly in the water. It's not impossible that a giraffe could swing or swim, but it would be strenuous. That would be a hell of a thing if the giraffes are just having all these orgies everywhere. Uh, I got to tell you this. I find it a little bit strange that somebody designed a computer simulation to find out whether or not a giraffe could swim. Well, this is Donald Henderson of the Royal Tyrell Museum of Paleontology in Alberta, Canada, which, which, as we all know is way way away from other parts of can Canada. Can you can you, can you imagine spending hundreds of hours to design a computer simulation about whether or not giraffes could swim? Like what are you doing today? This, What's this guy's name? This guy, Henderson, specializes in What's creating his computer models. His name is Donald Henderson. Donald specializes Henderson specializes in creating computer models of animals both extinct and extant. I originally started making these models for locomotion and estimating body weight, but then as I realized, I could also look at flotation. So he prepared a giraffe model in addition to a bunch of other flotation so wait, models. Can di- this could guy's dinosaur- job's amazing. Could dinosaurs swim? Like, could the brontosaurus swim? What about the Tyrannosaurus rex? I don't know. That's not that, mentioned here. There's no way a T-Rex could swim. That's short arms. There's Those no doubt about that. The T-Rex arms would not be good for getting pro- propulsion, but like, would a dinosaur... Well, Maybe get if this he guy. paddled really All right, fast, hold on. though. I, I was making fun of this guy, but the idea that he might create simulations about whether dinosaurs could swim <laughs> is actually an amazing thing to make a living doing. So we need to reach out to, what's his name, Donald Henderson in Alberta. We need to get him on the show. One of you guys needs to track him down, put an, put an official request in, and we're going to get him on to talk about different animals and their ability to swim according to his computer simulation. What about, like, the woolly mammoth? I guess it would Wait be able second. to swim. Dave Gillette, curator of paleontology at the Museum of Northern Arizona in Flagstaff, quote, they might not have been graceful, but all dinosaurs could swim, unquote. That seems like that is a hell of a prediction. You want to talk about a hot take. This guy is like this guy is an expert on creatures that have been dead for hundreds of millions of dollars and whether uh, millions of years and whether or not they could swim and like he's just dismissing the idea that they might not be able to swim. Like the brontosaurus as a great swimmer, uh, maybe a bit of a surprise there. He's also got the same neck issue that the giraffe has. Could we have expert? Uh, we're, not going here? Any, we're not going any further into neck and species talk you're worried about me being racist talking about big necks yes uh all right what uh by the way i'm not kidding about that get donald henderson's contact it's gonna be the first media request he's ever gotten <laughs> in his career uh and we need to get him on to talk about whether you dinosaurs you don't think swim. he's on good morning america today uh, he might be i mean <laughs> you never know they might have gotten into the debate about whether armadillos would sink or not as well they they, uh, they wouldn't 
Uh, that's because they don't care about ratings. What else do we have? Uh, what else do we have out there about the Animal Thunderdome? By the way, all right. So, snake or mountain lion? Snake. This is just hideous and just frightening. A Burmese python took on, and this is a 31-pound Burmese python, took on a 35-pound white-tailed deer. I saw this picture, and I, I wasn't able oh. to sleep after I saw this picture. I This is in the Everglades, right? Yeah, it's in Florida, where there's pythons everywhere. Everywhere, um, there's all these pythons. Nobody talks about it. Anacondas, pythons, like you could just get eaten walking through the Everglades any moment. You have no idea. So they stumbled upon this 11-foot, 31-pound python in Collier Seminole State Park, and they noticed it had a large food bulge. And that food bulge was a 35-pound white-tailed deer. So it ate a deer that was bigger than itself. It is the largest predator-to-prey ratio ever recorded in the history of the Burmese python species that I guess there is something I mean, there. There's there a, is something no called da- a herpetological review paper there that is said this. No doubt that if a python could eat a deer, it could eat a human. So the meal was too much for the snake. It was safely captured and relocated and then painfully regurgitated the entire fawn. And that's the image that I think you've probably seen, that I've seen, which is just absolutely hideous. Did the snake survive the regurgitation? I don't. Th- it doesn't look like it. Like I, I, I don't right. see that it died. No. Well, wait a second. No. No, it's still alive. Okay. It just had. Okay. This. This real. Real bad funny indigestion. here in the article talking about bad indigestion. Yes. A thirty-five pound white-tailed deer coming out of a thirty-one pound snake. That's what I see here too. Is really tough luck for the deer because one, the snake should have never eaten you. Two. When you get regurgitated, it's not like you get to come back to life. So this entire, uh, this is just a failure of nature. Like, it's one thing if an animal has to eat another animal to survive. This was just the snake being a total ass, thinking that it could eat you to survive, and then after you die a long, awful death of suffocation by the deer, you get regurgitated, and there's literally no benefit to your death in the grand circle of life. This was just... A glitch in the system. It's like a matrix flaw. Yeah, it's like uh, going to the gym and thinking that you're going to be able to lift weights that you can't lift and not having a spotter and having them all fall back down on you after you're able to lift them. This deer died for absolutely no reason at all. And I love the fact that the article points out that when the fawn was regurgitated, it indeed was dead. Appreciate that. No yeah. Jonah and the whale come back to life. Here's Python. My, my buddy just uh, sent me a text message. He's listening to the show right now, and he said he's got a good question. Armadillos have to be able to swim because they got from Texas to, like, the American Southeast. How did they cross the Mississippi River? Well, I mean, I, I mentioned, I described that, yes, they can swim. Right. They, but do you it, think it's they, a little different. But I mean, that was a pretty brave move by an armadillo to just decide to try to cross the Mississippi. Or do you it think also they mentions, were like, It also mentions in this article, by the way, cruelty to just like dunk a bunch of animals in ponds to see whether or not they swim. So there you go. With I don't think that's cruel. Take. I think that's how you figure out whether they can swim or not. What else we got? You said you had one more? Uh, there is a mountain lion story. A British Columbia man. This actually happened on the 5th on Monday. He recorded this entire thing. An hour-long encounter with a mountain lion that stalked him while he set up wildlife cameras a 140 pound tom cougar 
just staring him down while he's setting up wildlife What's a characters Cougar? on a trail. Is that I'm not a male? sure. I'm going to have to look up to see if a Tom, Tom just Cougar means a male sounds like the best it. name ever for a uh, porn star. Sounds like, like I would watch. Rob, it sounds like a Rob Schneider character. Uh, no, I need to watch that. I mean, if I were a porn star, my name would be Tom Cougar. I'd just be out slaying old chicks everywhere you look. Like Tom Cougar is the best name I've heard for a porn star in a long time. So at Tom Cougar one on Twitter is a healthcare professional, a career <laughs> friend, a progressive political animal. We're all in this together. Magna cum laude. School of life. Gots to catch the humor. And he has 34 followers and his avatar, other than his face, like his heading on his Twitter page, is three giant cougars. Do you think his name is really Tom Cougar? I mean, I feel like it has to be because Tom Cougar doesn't seem like the name you would just gloss yourself randomly unless you're just a really big, unless your name's Tom and you're a big fan of Cougar Town. I mean, Tom Cougar just, I don't even know he needs to, like, he just has to go straight into porn. Like, I don't even know that anything else about his life, it's like you're just, when you named your kid Tom Cougar, you were basically like, well, we just had a porn star. I don't know of anything else he could do. Can you? Would you vote for like Tom Cougar to be representing you <laughs> in any kind of political office? Like in Nashville, yeah. This is like, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> this is like uh, my. Uh, this reminds me of like you know when I went to school, there was a kid in my class named Richard Simmons, and it's like of all the <laughs> things that you could name a kid naming a kid Richard Simmons, and he was like, my parents were Canadian, they didn't know about. I mean, what awful luck that is. What awful luck if that's true to just be Canadian and like you're deciding all these different names that you could potentially name your kid. His last name is Simmons. And you're like, let's go with Richard Simmons. And then he moves to America. And every time they say his name, everybody just laughed. I mean, I'm not kidding about this. It's impossible not to laugh when somebody says the name Richard Simmons and it's like a kid in the seventh grade. You're like, that kid is screwed. And you can't, what are you going to go? Go by Dick Simmons? I mean, there's like no play you can make. Richie? I guess you could be Richie Simmons or Rich Simmons. I probably would have gone rich and just dropped the the ARD. But Richard Simmons, I mean, that's awful luck. You know, to be in Canada and not know that Richard Simmons exists, stamp your kid, brand him for life as an awful name, and then he moves to America and he goes to my school, and every time his name is mentioned, people laugh. Yeah, no, that's that's unfortunate. The Richard Simmons stuff. Yeah. Think about how much different Ben Simmons' life would be. He's from Australia, right? the NBA player, if he had been named Richard Simmons instead and then he eventually comes to America and becomes a great basketball player, like his entire career is different and it's all making fun of like Ben Simmons, the basketball, Richard Simmons, the basketball player. You know, like, I mean, every time he has a highlights, like to sweat into the oldies, like, I mean, everything about that guy's life is different if his name is Richard Simmons as opposed to Ben. Still pretty impressive, this Cougar just standing off of this guy for an hour. Now, he only filmed about five minutes, or that's all he uploaded at least. As he made his way down the trail setting up more cameras, this guy thought that he had lost the cat. He calls out repeatedly for it, doesn't see it, tries again, using a hunting predator call to try and draw it out, and he doesn't. Then all of a sudden he notices the cat was watching him the whole time hiding behind a tree. So this Cougar was also ninja and was really trying to find a way to get to this guy that was setting up these cameras. Again, animals don't really like to have photos taken just like celebrities don't. Like and the paparazzi, vampires. this is the same thing. And yes, vampires. So 140-pound Tom Cougar, which I keep looking up to see what a Tom Cougar is, and it just keeps bringing me things like Tom Herman of the Houston Cougars. <laughs> so I, so you could have gone. So maybe that's, that's a missed opportunity by Tom Herman. Tom Cougar would have been a much better coach at Houston 
than Tom Herman was. I just, I mean, if you are listening right now and you're like, this morning you're like, man, I got to have a porn star name by tomorrow. And you've been thinking about names all the time. Like, I just gave you the, your career right now. Boom. Tom Cougar going to be the most famous porn star in America by next year. I don't have any doubt. Doesn't even matter who it is. J-Mart, you should go into porn. You haven't had sex in six years. Boom. You're Tom Cougar. All of a sudden, you're like just a sex panther. You're just slaying it everywhere you go. Zero doubt. Or a cougar. Sex panther. Uh, I'm Clay Travis. Up next, we'll talk to another sex panther. Literally, he used to play for the Carolina Panthers, and he's sexy. His name, Jeff Schwartz, uh, NFL offensive lineman. We'll ask him about Tom Cougar. We'll also ask him important question. Um, what was the important question we had about could Saquon Barkley. Swim? Oh, yeah. no, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I was going back to the actual crux of the show. No, I forgot that he we disagrees. were talking about other no, things. He disagrees that Saquon Barkley should be the number one overall pick. He also thinks that if you were, had gone through puberty and you'd changed your name to Tom Cougar, your voice wouldn't be still cracking, Jason Martin. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Are we on the air? Is this is this live? <laughs> I don't, I, we really are talking? I don't know. So this is John Cougar. Mellencamp, and amazingly, he just decided John Cougar wasn't good enough, so at some point he added Mellencamp to his uh, musical name? Correct. That's, I mean, like, that's why not didn't true, he just... is it? Wasn't he, he was John Cougar Mellencamp, and then he dropped Cougar and became John Mellencamp. Right, so I guess the other way around. Yeah. So the exact opposite of what you told me and reported to the entire nation. Do you, do you think I know Danny much here, about this me. John Cougar? No, I don't know anything about John Cougar Mellencamp. I just think it's amazing now that I think about it that he didn't just stick with John Cougar. Why did he need the Mellencamp part? That's a really, guess, that's a good question, actually. Yeah, I mean that well, just seems like Clay a compli- Cougar. That just seems like a complicated <laughs> aspect of the overall game. Like if I were advising John Cougar Mellencamp, and he's like, "Hey, I've got uh, your name is already John Cougar. Like you don't need to add the Mellencamp. Like there's no John Cougar you're competing with." Update. Donald Henderson has been emailed. He is officially his official title is curator of dinosaurs. That's, That's what an his amazing, major focus is. That's an amazing so title. Let's hope that this gets turned around because not only will he be able to speak to giraffe swimming and all his modeling, but he can certainly talk a lot about dinosaurs. And that's and he's just, from we've got to have him. Canadian dinosaur expert as well. And he's from Alberta, Canada, you said? Yes. Yes. Where is Alberta? It's in Canada. Yeah. In the state, you have you have proved time it's and again. Calgary, that you Alberta. Cal- well, yeah, where's Calgary? The capital of Alberta is Edmonton. Okay, where is where is this? So you western, think it's, it's Western Canada? It's a Western. West, you're confident, confident in that Alberta is Western Canada. I'm positive. All right. When you're hiring, you don't want to waste time sorting through dozens of irrelevant resumes. You want an efficient way to get a short list of qualified candidates. That's why you need Indeed.com. Post a job in minutes. Set up screener questions based on your job requirements. That's what I'm going to do when I fire J-Mart. Set up screener questions based on your job requirements for not knowing enough about Canada. Then zero in on qualified candidates using an intuitive online dashboard. Discover why 3 million businesses use Indeed for hiring. Post a job today at Indeed.com backslash hire. Search for greatness. Search Indeed. Let me bring in Eddie Garcia. Find out what's shaking the world of sports. Then on the flip side, we're going to go with Jeff Schwartz. All right, Clay, and by the way, I don't know why I know this, but John Cougar was his stage name. His real last name is Mellencamp, and when he got famous enough to ditch the stage name, he ditched it and went to John Mellencamp. Uh, Ah, In the NBA last night, we had uh, two two teams reach the 50-win mark, one of them the Rockets, who beat the Thunder 122-112. to 
They have won 16 in a row, have the Houston Rockets. It's tied for the longest winning streak in the NBA this year with the Boston Celtics. And the Warriors also reached the 50-win mark with a 114-101 win over the Nets. So right now, Golden State is a half game back of Houston for the top record in the league because the Warriors have one more loss. Raptors are the top team in the East. They beat the Hawks 106-90. College basketball, five more teams are into the NCAA tournament, including Gonzaga, who's in for the 20th straight year. They won the West Coast Conference Tournament. College of Charleston makes it in for the first time since 1999, winning the Colonial Athletic Association Tournament. Also going into the NCAA Tournament, winning their conference tournament titles, Wright State, South Dakota State, and Long Island University of Brooklyn. This report's brought to you by TrueCar. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from TrueCar. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And I know you're about to talk some NFL plays, so five teams in the NFL use the franchise tag on players. One used the transitions tag. Steelers running back Le'Veon Bell, Dolphins wide receiver Jarvis Landry, Cowboys defensive end Demarcus Lawrence, Lions defensive end Ziggy Ansah, and Rams safety LaMarcus Joyner had the franchise tag put on him. Bears opted to put the transition tag on cornerback Kyle Fuller. I know I've asked this question before, but is there a limit to the number of years you can franchise tag a guy? Well, I've heard some people say they've asked out loud, can the Redskins or would the Redskins uh, franchise tag Kirk Cousins again? So yeah. apparently they can do it again if they want to. Now, why would they? I don't know. But uh, apparently they can do it again this year if they want to. Inter- the reason why I'm asking is it's obviously the second time that Le'Veon Bell has right. been franchise tagged. And if I you think believe, they can do it again next year if they want yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, if you legitimately believe that a running back doesn't have a long shelf life in this league, and I think it's fair to say that most running backs at the age of 30 are effectively done. There's only very few that when they get to 30 years old or older, they're able to still have any kind of longevity at all. So at this point in time, why wouldn't the Steelers franchise Le'Veon Bell every year that they still want him, and then when they decide they don't want him anymore, just cut him and you don't have any multi-year contract to worry about? Jeff Schwartz, uh, I believe, is with us. Let me bring you in. Jeff, why wouldn't you do that? I mean, I understand the player gets upset because he wants the upfront and he wants the guaranteed money, but I think Le'Veon Bell is 26 or 27 years old. Let's assume that he's going to be good for another three years. Why not just go ahead and make a year-by-year decision on whether or not he's worth $14 million a year, which is what the franchise tag pays him? Well, I think that's what they're trying to do. And, yes, you can franchise someone three years, three times in a row, but the third year, the financial penalty is so high that, you know, Cousins would have jumped like $34 million this year right. for his salary. So, Le'Veon Bell would probably jump up to almost $20 million, which seems ridiculous to pay a running back for one season. So, that so might you be, think basically are they making the decision that they're going to let him go after this year yeah. or they're going to try to sign him to a multi-year after this year? The, if, if Le'Veon Bell, so Le'Veon Bell, the, the, the impasse they have is that Le'Veon Bell wants to be paid as a dual-threat running back, as a running back who's a wide receiver and, a, and as a running back. And that's what the holdup is. He doesn't want to get paid as the highest-paid running back. He wants to be a dual-threat, which the Steelers are not going to set precedent and pay someone – to be a dual threat because then you have tight ends are going to say, well, I'm, a, I'm really a wide receiver. I want to be paid like a wide right. receiver. And then, you, and then you get into this issue. And look, tight ends, try, every year a tight end gets franchised. They try to they, they And the they tight end, and it's it. interesting you mentioned this because I was looking at, they just came out with what the franchise tag cost. And the tight end franchise tag is only $11 million, which, it's cheap. I mean, yeah, it's insanely cheap. Um, and so I, I think that, and, and this kind of leads into the argument of, you know, people want to draw Saquon Barkley at one. Pittsburgh doesn't even value p- 
possibly the most complete running back in the NFL. They're just like, whatever, just play on a one-year deal. We don't really need you for the future. In the 56 games that Le'Veon Bell has played um, for the Steelers, they've averaged 25.3 points. In the 21 games he hasn't played, they've averaged 25.3 points. Yeah. Um, and so they, they view him as, as a valuable piece to his team, but more on a one-year deal. And, and because of the – and I heard, I heard you talk about it before it came on – because of the um, – the, the longevity of running backs and the amount of touches they give him, they just assume, and he's missed games from time to time, they just assume he's going to get hurt, and they're just trying to get the most out of him uh, on his year-to-year deals. Yeah, and, and I understand the argument for why you wouldn't draft Saquon Barkley, because usually I'm a quarterbacks matter more than anything else guy. I just don't have any faith at all in the Browns to get it right, and I feel like it's more likely that they go out and draft the wrong guy, and then in three years they're right back where they already were, whereas at least you would have maybe the best running back in the league in Saquon Barkley for several years, which could be an entertaining uh, asset to have for the Browns. Look, I, I get all that, but in this NFL, it's not realistic to have a running back just, just for three years. So let me ask, Look, let me, let me ask you this question. The Browns were 10th in rushing last year. All right, let me ask you this question. If yeah. you don't have any faith at all in the Browns, like I don't have any faith at all in the Browns to get it right. In other words, I think it's like flipping a coin. You know how like some people have good luck? And you're like, oh, I want that guy to call the coin. And it right. seems like they win more frequently than they lose. I think the Browns are like a franchise that would get the coin toss wrong like 10 times in a <laughs> row, right? They're just like cursed in bad luck. Even when the odds seem like they should be 50-50, they still have bad luck. This is a ridiculous sure. question that I haven't heard anybody else ask. But in college, it's not uncommon to bring in a lot of five-star quarterbacks. For instance, in the last two years, the – uh, Georgia Bulldogs have signed three five-star quarterbacks. Right. One of those guys is going to transfer because he's not the guy who's going to get the job. Jacob Eason, he's going to go back to Washington, and he's probably going to be incredibly good for Chris Peterson and will be in the draft in two years and may even be a first-round talent. It's not an indictment of Jacob Eason that he's lost the job. It's more about how good I think the Georgia situation is. They signed Landry Fields, who a lot of people, I believe it's Landry Fields, a lot of people believe is the best quarterback in all of high school last year. And obviously they have their guy whose name suddenly is immediately escaping me. From. From, yeah. From is uh, is set, plays a true freshman, was phenomenal, looks like he's going to be incredible, okay? Why would the Cleveland Browns not take a quarterback at one, and at four, four and with their first pick in the second round. They could theoretically go get whoever they want. Josh Allen, they could probably get Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen, and they could get, uh, let's say, Lamar Jackson. Three of the top six quarterbacks in the draft. It's almost impossible to fail on it. Two of those guys have a decent chance of being good. If one of them is good and is a backup, then either you could get back your first-round pick for him in a couple of years if he's not quite good enough, but you have a really good backup, or you know, like you get a second-round pick for him and you guarantee yourself that you have a really good quarterback probably if you draft three. Now, I understand why people out there are like, oh, that's a ridiculous idea, but in college they do it all the time. They take multiple top quarterbacks because they're not sure who's actually going to be good why not try that in the NFL if you're the Browns and you haven't had a decent quarterback since Bernie Kosar? Just go out and get three. I've heard that suggested the one and four. I'm surprised you've be... heard anybody. I'm surprised you've heard anybody else suggest it because most people just say that's absurd. But again, out there, if you think about it, everybody criticized the Washington Redskins when they took Robert Griffin the third second overall, 
and then they took Kirk Cousins in the fourth round. They said, oh my God, how could you take two quarterbacks in the same draft? And in reality, they made a great decision because RG3 is out of the league and Cousins is going to make $30 million a year to be a quarterback. And because they took him in the same year, they got to see him compete head-to-head and figure out who was best just like you would in college. Why is that not the play if you're obsessed with getting the right quarterback? I'd be okay if the Browns did that at one and four. I'd actually be I'd be more okay with that than drafting Barkley at one because quarterback is just that important of a position. Look, and that the, hard to the, predict. The the Patriots are going to draft a quarterback in the second round this year. I mean, if if Lamar Jackson, let's say, fell to to the start of the second round, the Patriots will trade up and take him. Or Josh Allen were to fall, they're going to take a quarterback. That's how important it is. They, they keep drafting quarterbacks with the best quarterback of all time on their roster. So if the Browns do that, I would be in favor of that. The problem is, and we've talked about the Browns a lot this morning, is that they, they completely botched their quarterback rotation last year um, where they would play Kaiser for a half and take him out, put Hogan in. They would you know, start Hogan for a game and put Kaiser in. So Hugh Jackson has to has to really commit to 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 just knowing how to do this right. And if they select a starter out of camp, that player has to start, and they have to allow themselves to have growing pains. And, and the Browns have not showed that um, to be possible. I I think that John Dorsey, I played him in Kansas City. My brother was signed by him in Kansas City. Um, he rebuilt that team. I have no doubt that he will draft and build up a roster in Cleveland. It's just a matter of if Hugh Jackson is the right coach to do that because, look, he's won one game in two years. I don't really care how great of a quarterback guru he supposedly is. He hasn't shown it. Um, the Browns had an, a, a historically good uh, run defense last year. Now, they couldn't stop anyone uh, passing. They had a decent enough run game. I know their quarterback situation was bad, but they lost every game last year. So is Hugh Jackson really the guy to do this? And with a new GM as well, you know, they might get rid of Hugh after a year. So they have these two young quarterbacks they draft. Let's have one, or, you know, one young quarterback and they bring in someone else. And it should be like a Jared Goff situation where that quarterback flourishes under a new system. Yeah, by the way, uh, the, the Georgia Bulldogs, Justin Fields, not Landry Fields. Is Landry Fields a real guy or did I just make up that name? Yes, I think he was, I think he played quarterback. I, I think that's familiar, but. Yeah, but so Justin Fields. All right, so we're talking to uh, to Jeff Schwartz. So who is the best quarterback available in this year's draft? Who would you take number one overall? I think probably Sam Darno or Josh Rosen. I mean, look, the issues with Rosen are uh, – and the, the one that's legit is obviously the injury concern, right? Concussion and maybe a little slight of frame and playing in Cleveland um, in that weather and, and that division. Uh, will he stay healthy? Um, the other concern about Josh Rosen, what, he's too smart? I mean, that's not a real concern. I, I mean, that's, like, that's ridiculous. Um, he's too smart. Look, he's very, he's very self-aware for 21. You know, I think that scares people uh, because NFL people like guys that are grunts that are just going to play football and not worry about other issues. We've seen that, obviously, um, play out over the last couple of years. And Josh Rosen might not be that guy. He, he obviously is thoughtful. He's going to talk about subjects that might be uncomfortable, and I know that drives people insane, but I don't worry about that at all. Um, uh, and then I think Sam Darnold. I mean, I think that he, you know, the, the turnover issue he had, I don't really worry about that in college. I mean, we've seen Andrew Luck throw a ton of turnovers in college. You know, in college. Jameis Winston is, threw and, a ton of interceptions. Yeah, and this is what, and this is what um, Josh Rosen has an issue with as well, is you think you're Superman in college. So you just try to do everything for your team, especially Josh Rosen. I mean, they had no run game. They had a historically bad defense last year, so he's going to try to do too much. Sam Darnold's the same way. He's 
uber talented. He tries to do too much. He throws a couple of interceptions. So what? In the NFL, you got to think that, that it gets corrected. And we've seen it does get corrected. So I'm not really terribly worried about that. But I think you, if, you're, if you're John Dorsey and you draft Darno number one and he's a bust, I think you feel better about yourself than drafting Barkley at number one. And even if he's average or he's a bust or even if he's a good player, he's not going to help you win Super Bowls. He's a, a running back is a piece when you already have your quarterback. But if you don't have a quarterback, the running back doesn't matter at all. All right, so Kirk Cousins is obviously also going to factor in in a big way into overall the quarterback landscape, and he has to decide where he's going to go. Where do you think he would go, and where would you advise him to go? Are those the same places? Um, Well, I I would advise him to go to Minnesota. It looks like they're coming with an offer. We saw uh, three years, $91 million guaranteed. And this is really fascinating because um, his agent, Mike McCartney, we're we're with the same agency, Party Sports, Mike has done a fantastic job of playing this. So he, he could end up with two franchise tag years, a three-year deal for over $30 million a year guaranteed, and then be like 32 and sign another contract. Yeah. It's, it's, he's played this amazingly. Yes. Um, and, and so I think Minnesota is the best option. If you look to Cousins, his best seasons, he's had Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Grosson, healthy Jordan Reed, good offensive line, and it's crappy defense. And now he can end up with, <clears throat> with Dalvin Cook, a good offensive line, Thielen, Kyle Rudolph, Diggs, um, and a great defense. Like that's yeah. a, and he plays inside. I mean, it's it's a no win situation. I mean, excuse me, a no brainer situation um, for him. I think that the Jets, while they might offer the most money, I, I mean, maybe that's the reports. I just don't like the situation for him. It seems there's a mutual. Um, uh, not dislike, but just a mutual agreement between him and the Browns that he ain't going to the Browns. And I don't know if that's the Browns have decided they're not going to pursue him. Kurt has told him he doesn't want to go there, or they just have both decided we're just not going to pursue this. Um, but this idea, by the way, that he's going to go to the to to, to the uh, the team that presents the best opportunity and doesn't present the most money is is BS. The Vikings supposedly offering thirty million a year. That's the most money. Um, so this idea that Kurt he's in it for the the wins and the team chemistry. Get out of here. He's in it for the money. Go make the most money, and that looks like Minnesota right now. Amen. Jeff Schwartz, thanks for joining us, as you always do, on Wednesday. I am Clay Travis. Final segment, hour two. Up next, ridiculous sexual harassment lawsuit against ESPN. You're not going to believe these accusations when I read them to you next on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier as well. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience as well. I'm trying to keep all of you alive. If you think a train will stop, if it sees your car on the tracks, you're right, it will. About a mile after it hits you, stop. Trains can't. All right. We do this every now and then. I only want women callers in response to the story that I am about to read you, all right? Only women. I don't know what percentage of our listenership is women, but I know there are thousands of you out there listening right now. I only want your response to this. That means if you are a man and you have a penis, I do not want you to call. If Jason Martin hears a male voice, he's not going to be pleased. 877-996-6369. Women-only reactions, I'll go to you at the top of the hour. 
but I want to read this story. So, there is a new sexual harassment lawsuit which has been filed by a woman who worked at ESPN for two years. It has been proven to be rife with many inaccuracies, including allegations about Chris Berman leaving a racist voicemail for Jamel Hill. It's gotten a lot of attention. What I have not heard very many people do is point out how illegitimate almost all of these accusations are. One of them in particular that is illustrative, I think, of this 93-page sexual harassment lawsuit which has been filed by this woman. And by the way, this was the basis for, I believe it was the Boston Globe that did yep. a big piece on sexual harassment inside of ESPN and how it was like a culture of, of, of unfairness and everything else. I have ripped this guy, Bomani Jones, a lot for his opinions because I think he claims to be smarter than he is and I think he says a lot of dumb stuff that I think has turned sports into a political universe. Everything's predicated on race. The guy makes his entire living off of basically saying, oh, well, that's because he's black. That's his entire career, all right? I think he's not very talented. But this is the sexual harassment claim that was made against him in a lawsuit I want you to listen to this, and then I want to hear from women. You are our jury. Is this in any way legitimate sexual harassment, in your opinion? Female callers only, 877-996-6369. I am reading directly from this woman's complaint alleging sexual harassment at ESPN. Okay, here we go. On or around November 7th of 2016... Mrs. Lawrence, that's the woman who filed this lawsuit, was preparing to leave the makeup room in Building 4 and Bamani Jones, the former co-host of ESPN's Highly Questionable, who was on campus to fill in on ESPN2, was seated in the makeup room. Standing by the door and dressed in a skirt, Miss Lawrence looked down to change her shoes and looked up to find Jones staring at her legs ogling her, and intensely giving her, quote, elevator eyes as he slowly looked her up and down in a sexualized manner, making Miss Lawrence feel extremely uncomfortable, another longstanding practice at ESPN. Now look, I think there are some legitimate Me Too complaints out there, certainly. I think the idea that ESPN is responsible because a single guy on their payroll looked at a woman from head to toe is one of the most ludicrous things I have ever seen. If you're not interested in him, fine. But so far as I know, you can't sexually harass using only your eyes. This is her allegation that she was sexually harassed by being looked at in a sexualized manner. I want only female responses. Is this a legitimate thing to put into a lawsuit? Am I crazy for thinking that this is a crazy thing to put into a lawsuit alleging sexual harassment? 877-996-6369. We are going to go only to female callers. Only you guys. I want your reaction to this. Am I crazy for defending Bamani Jones and ESPN here over this complaint? Or do you find it to be legitimate? Whatever your opinion is, 877-996-6369, next. 
Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote as well. Listen closely. I don't want you to die. If you think a train will stop, if it sees your car on the tracks, you're right. It will. About a mile after it hits you, stop. Trains can't. All right. Um, Lawsuit filed. Has gotten a ton of attention. TMZ breaking news. I've seen it everywhere all over the internet. There has been a lawsuit filed against ESPN alleging a culture of sexual harassment. And uh, that lawsuit filed by a former female employee named, I believe, Adrian Lawrence, who was there for two years. And I have read that complaint, and I have read all the allegations. And I think while sometimes sexual harassment claims are legitimate, uh, I do something crazy. I actually look at the facts of every allegation. I look at the details surrounding every story And I don't allow my worldview to determine whether or not I believe something happened. I.e., there is racism in this country. It does not mean that every time somebody says something racist happened, that it is true. There is sexual harassment in this country. It does not mean that every time somebody says sexual harassment happened, it is true. If you listen to this show regularly, you know that I believe domestic violence is an issue. I also don't believe that Ezekiel Elliott should have been suspended six games for the Dallas Cowboys because I don't think, having looked at all the evidence that there was enough evidence to believe that Ezekiel Elliott had committed acts of domestic violence to justify him being suspended. So when I read this complaint, I had to roll my eyes and think, my God, what in the world is going on here? We have female callers only, 877-996-6369. Jason Martin is fielding them. And this was one of the allegations, and it was an allegation that was similar to other allegations in this complaint. On or around November 7, 2016, Miss Lawrence, who worked at ESPN for two years, was preparing to leave the makeup room in Building 4, and Bamani Jones, the former host, co-host of ESPN's Highly Questionable, uh, was seated in the makeup room. Standing by the door and dressed in a skirt, Miss Lawrence looked down to change her shoes and looked up to find Jones staring at her legs, ogling her, and intensely giving her, quote, elevator eyes as he slowly looked her up and down in a sexualized manner, making Miss Lawrence feel extremely uncomfortable, another long-standing practice at ESPN. Do you believe, female callers only, that this is legitimate sexual harassment? We go first to the phones in Houston to Jackie. What's up, Jackie? Hey, Clay. Jackie here in Houston. So when in the world did it become illegal to look at somebody? I just think this is ridiculous. And you know what? When you have people like this that come forward with these kind of claims, it just it's it makes the legitimate claims even look. You know, it's it's just it's hard to say. But I've just never had somebody come forward and say he looked at me funny. I think I need to file a lawsuit. This is ridiculous. Yeah, I'm glad you and brought I'm that in up, Jackie. Resources. You're in HR. Have you ever had complaints like this where somebody said he's looking at me inappropriately, like he looks like he's interested in me when he looks at me? Absolutely. And I work at a company where the majority of the employees are men. So women are the minority. And I have people that do come forward. But traditionally, we say, look, this is not something that you could use to file a discrimination complaint or sexual harassment complaint. It's more a conversation with someone. But it just it's a shame that we have people like this coming forward when we have people out there that do have legitimate concerns. And so it's just a shame. And I feel like all of the sexual harassment has gone uh, too far. I'm exhausted. If I'm exhausted, I know other people are exhausted. It's a great point. Thanks for calling in. Good luck today at work. It's Jackie in Houston who works in HR. 
said something similar my wife said. I read this paragraph to her, and I said, hey, I'm going to say this is ridiculous. I'm going to tweet about it. And you know how it is right now in the culture we live in. If you say anything that's negative about something like Me Too, and we've got a, several more calls here, but I'm going to give 877-996-6369. I'm going to get to you, I promise, female callers only. Um, then you get ripped. For instance, Matt Damon came out in this m- modern-day Hollywood era and said, I understand sexual harassment and sexual assault is a serious issue, but he's like, there's a difference between smacking somebody on the ass when they don't want to get smacked on the ass and rape, right? And he got destroyed for that. Bunch of women in Hollywood were like, no, Matt Damon, there's no difference at all. And I was sitting back like, is this really the world we live in? If you poll every woman in America right now and you say, okay, something bad is going to happen to you. I've got two options. One, a guy you don't like is going to smack you on the ass and you're not going to want it to happen. Or two, you're going to get raped. Is there anybody out there who's like, yeah, that's a tough call for me to make. Those are such similar things. I think, ah, man, I don't know. Do I want to get slapped on the ass or do I want to get raped? Like The reason why we have the criminal justice system in America is because we grade crimes and acts of moral turpitude differently based on degree. It's worse to commit murder than it is to speed. Don't want to speed and drive 100 miles an hour when the speed limit is 70, but it's nowhere near as bad as committing murder. Yet, I feel like in a modern-day society, we eliminate all gradations, and everything is black and white. That's what totalitarians want to do, create no ability for us to have nuanced discussions in life. They just want things to be either acceptable or unacceptable. Katie in Indiana, what's up? Is Katie there? Am I still on the air? Do I have a show? Jason Martin said he's got a lot more calls that he's screening. My bad there. Jason Martin is, is screening a lot more calls. Let's go out to L.A. Let's talk to some guys. I'm not allowing men to call. I only want female reactions. 877-996-6369 to the latest ESPN sexual harassment lawsuit. Guys in L.A., when you hear an accusation like that, does it not make you roll your eyes and think, my God, what is permissible male conduct now? Absolutely. Before you even finished reading the, the story, I was saying to Danny G, I'm like, oh my God, for for real? That's that's uh that's bad. I and mean it, personally I, I wouldn't do something as obvious as that. Well by by the way, this is her description of what he did. He may have thought that he wasn't being that obvious. Remember, this is her complaint yeah, trying to make point. his actions look as bad as they possibly are. For instance, This is like, remember in the Seinfeld episode where he was like, cleavage is like the sun. You glance at it and you look away. Like, men, I think, believe that we are good at looking at cleavage and not getting caught just staring at it, right? Like, I think, like, everybody likes boobs by and large, right? Women know that men like boobs. So if you're wearing a top that shows cleavage, like, by and large, most men are going to notice the boobs, but they're not just going to directly stare at them, right? Like, that's like socially... It's acceptable to notice the boobs, but then move your eyes away. Most guys are not going to linger right there on the boobs the whole time, unless you're like at a strip club or someplace where it's clearly like that's the design of the business, right? Or you're a rookie. 
or you're a young guy and you just don't know any better. And the funny part about that Seinfeld story, which is which is even funnier, is like George, if you remember that episode, George was going to, like they were trying to get a television show, and the girl was actually underage, which is even funnier, and it was the daughter of the guy. Yes. And she walked in with like a cleavage top, and like he got caught looking at the underage daughter's cleavage, which is actually really funny. But by the way, it's not like George knew how old she was in the television show. It's like he sees cleavage, he's going to look, right? Um, and so, uh, this is a crazy story, Danny G. I mean, are you with me? Like I rip ESPN a lot. When I saw this story, the fact that I'm the only media person who's come out and said, guys, we can't cover this as a legitimate story. The fact that I'm the voice of reason here is I think as in many cases, how much evidence there is of the country going insane. Clay, wait a second. Wait a second, Danny. Just, just give me one second. I I got a question. I got a question for you. Like, I agree exactly with what you're saying about this. I mean, I'd be guilty of this. You'd be guilty of this. Most women out there listening would be guilty of this. It's just a natural reaction. I agree with you. I'm just curious, though. Are we just completely throwing out everything else that she said? Because every other, I read the, I read the only thing that she said. I read the entire complaint, and the entire complaint is, for lack of a better term, BS. I mean, I'm saying that as a lawyer. There's like a hundred different bullet points that are extremely serious. Most of them, by far, are all trumped up nothing. It's like, this guy was interested in me, and he asked me to go out to eat. And you're like, yeah, okay. I mean, I read all the all the text messages that she had with John Butchie Gross, which was when this initially went public, I think back in December, when the yes. Boston Globe wrote this piece. Like, I'm not saying sexual harassment doesn't exist. It certainly does. I used to conduct sexual harassment seminars, and I used to, which is crazy, and I used to conduct internal sexual harassment investigations. So I have literally spent hours and hours sitting across the table from people saying, hey, this is what happened, and trying to figure out in a he said, she said context, was this sexual harassment or was it not? It's an incredibly difficult job to have to try to sit down and figure out what was and what was not being said because most of the time it's all verbal. There's not a lot of email evidence of it. Sometimes there is, and that makes things a lot easier. But a lot of times it's verbal, and the woman, in my experience, the woman always made the allegations. The man always said he didn't do it or didn't say it or was being misinterpreted based on the way the story was given. And then you have to figure out what's likely to be true by talking to other witnesses that might have been there, everything else surrounding it. I'm telling you that under these, all of her allegations, and I read, skimmed through the entire complaint, it's total BS, and it's being covered as if it's evidence of all these things that ESPN has done that are wrong, um, I, I just don't buy into it. Where are we on the caller situation here with women? Um, we've got a few now. I've got them on the all right. screen. All right, I see them now. Okay, let's go to uh, Lisa in Atlanta. Lisa, what do you think about this? Um, I think it's ridiculous. I agree with Jackie. Um, I just think that in this world that we're living in, we have to be very careful of... The women empowerment, the Me Too, the feminists—they're the, they're the thin layer that can really destroy this society with allegations like this. And, and for a guy like, and it's interesting. I appreciate you calling in, Lisa. I'm curious with you, like, if there's a guy who's looking at you and you don't like the fact that he's looking at you, uh, what do you do as a woman? Like, look, I mean, I think that's well, one way of a guy. You, you use that empowerment at that at that present moment. You know, if you feel uncomfortable, you say it then. Yes. You know that's that's what we have to that's what we have to understand. Like this this past and you know jumping on the bandwagon. Okay, I understand that, but now how are we going to conduct ourselves in the present? 
You know, if you feel uncomfortable, say, you know, may I help you? Whatever you want to say, you know, in a very non-combative way, if you're very, if you know, if you feel that strong about a look. But what is it going to do to our society? How are we going to raise our young men to, you know, be gentlemen and approach women? You know, no, don't, you can't look at it for more than five seconds. You know, you can't, you know, they're going to be these petty rules to, you know, how we interact as women, men. And I'm just, I'm curious how, you know, with we have so many other spectrums of sexuality now, it's not just man and woman. Yeah. How is that going to fall into sexual harassment? If I look at a woman for 30 seconds, is that sexual harassment? Because... I mean, I'm not a lesbian, but if I'm a lesbian, is that sexual harassment? Is that a sexual look? You know, I mean, it's too much to too too much to delve in now, and it, you know, you just got to keep it simple, <laughs> right? And I'm I mean, not but trying this to put anybody is... in back, back. I'm not trying to put the black and do the black and white, and you know, um, make things you know just very rigid. But it comes to a point where there 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 there's all there's all of these thin layers between feminism. Uh, uh, sexist women and this women empowerment and the Me Too's. They, they're starting to become all in one. So if you hate men, then you can just file a complaint. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's, it's a little ridiculous. Thanks for the call, Lisa. I'm going to go to your other calls too uh, here momentarily. I think it's a good point. Like, we have lost the ability to have nuance. If you are listening to me right now and you exist, do you know why you exist? Because at some point, a man and woman were interested in each other biologically. And you know what guys think when they look at girls who look good in clothes? They think, damn, she looks good in clothes. I bet she looks even better without her clothes on. And that leads to sex, which leads to the propagation of our species. So every single person who is listening to this story right now, this allegation, this show, at some point in time, your dad looked at your mom like this complaint alleges. And that's how you came to be. So this idea that look a man looking at a woman and evincing interest in her is now sexual harassment, according to this complaint against ESPN, is mind-boggling to me. I'm just blown away by it. Let's go to Sonny. Uh, is it Sony or Sonny in Fort Lauderdale? I believe it's Sonny. Sonny. What's up, Sonny? It's Sonny. Yeah. Hi, Clay. Um, yeah, I completely agree with you. It just sounds, you know, from what you have said, I haven't read it, obviously, but it sounds completely over the top. Um, you know, I, I just think, how was she taking her shoes off? Who knows? But uh, I, it, it's just me, too, I think has gone a bit too far at this point. Right. I mean, you can believe that sexual harassment is wrong. You can believe that many women are oftentimes untreated, treated unfairly at their job. And also believe that men can look at women and find them attractive without committing sexual uh, sexual harassment. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not going to take my shoes off at work. By the way, that's just weird right off, right out of the gate. But um, if I was and someone's looking at me, I'm just going to turn around and walk away. I'm not going to sit there and go, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to file a sexual harassment charge against you." Yeah, thanks for the call. Let's go to Sheena in Cincinnati. What's up, Sheena? Hi. Uh, yeah, I, I don't disagree with you that there's definitely a spectrum, and this is lower on the spectrum, and I'm not sure that it should be a lawsuit, but I did want to play devil's advocate a bit and just bring up the point that there are some microaggressions, as we like to say, that happen in our society and in our culture, especially, like you said, for women that are beautiful, 
um, that happens on a daily basis, maybe a weekly basis where they're getting looked at or being catcalled or whatever. It doesn't have to be verbal or physical, but it can be exhausting. And just driving awareness that that happens and, and should well, that but here's be the deal. normal? Okay, Sheena, here's my thing. If you are this woman, I mean, I think it's fascinating. Like, okay, you're this woman and you feel like you are being looked at in a suggestive manner and you aren't, don't want to be looked at in a suggestive manner by this guy. Uh, why not just immediately respond, oh, no, it ain't happening, go find somebody else, immediately, right then and there, and shoot him down. And then, like, uh, because he may see that as an easy way to give evidence that he's interested in you without having to take the next step of saying, hey, do you want to go get dinner? Hey, what's your email address? Hey, what's your phone number? Hey, what's your Instagram? And instead, she's like, "Uh uh-uh, it ain't happening. And then it's over, right? Like, he expresses interest and you shoot him down. Why not do that instead of filing a sexual harassment lawsuit? I think you're exactly right. We should do that. And the other caller said the same thing. Like, let's just empower the women to just be able to shoot them down. But when this, again, when this happens daily or weekly or whatever it is, however often it is, and it is often, then it just becomes exhausting. It beats you down and you start to... I don't know. I can't put words around it, but it's it's just unfortunate that that is just what we have to do. But you're right. I mean, we do need to do that, and I'm not sure that we need to file lawsuits around it, but there's something to this, and I think that's why this is a movement, because women are saying, yeah, I I hate this. We don't need to go suing everybody, but can we change the culture? Like, can we change that this is not okay? And I I think this is a good call. I'm intrigued uh, by how you change the culture. Because I think the culture is predicated on the idea that men like sex. And that is biology. I don't think that's culture. Does that make sense? Like, I think at some point you start to try to change human biology. Men look at women and picture them naked. I don't think there's a way that you can teach any boys, hey, don't look at women and picture them naked. I think that cavemen have been doing it. I think that this is an innate male desire that has led to the propagation of the species sharon in jacksonville what's up hey how are you i'm living the dream sharon uh, uh, oh did we lose sharon did i blow her mind there with that answer no no sorry i'm here i'm here okay what you got um i think the whole thing is ridiculous um, if she was uncomfortable, she should have said something. God gave you a mouth, and that's what it's there for. She should be able to stand up for herself. And the fact that an attorney actually took this case blows my mind. And what is she suing for, I'm curious? she Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, she's suing, seeking damages because she was not— here's the real crux of it, right? She worked there for two years, and at the end of the two years, she was not hired as a full-time employee beyond that. And she is saying the reason she was not hired was because of sexual harassment complaints. So she's seeking damages on the fact that she was not hired. Yeah, I just think I think the whole quote unquote movement has taken a definite turn for the worse. Um, Like you said, there are, you know, cases out there. But to do, you know, this is just it's gone too far. Thanks for the call, Sharon. Uh, and you guys, by the way, we're going to do this fairly regularly. I like to sometimes just say, hey, women-only callers, I want your perspectives on this. I don't need dudes' perspectives on this. Um, and I thought the callers were all good. I appreciate all of you. We're going to go to another uh, female 
Uh, Britt McHenry joins us a lot on this show. I'll ask her about this. She worked at ESPN. What does she think about this allegation? Um, and uh, how should you respond in a situation like that? If you're a good-looking woman and a guy looks at you to uh, provide evidence that he is interested in you, what's the appropriate response? Britt McHenry, up next. I'm Clay Travis, Southgate, the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Great news. Quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance as well. You think a train will stop if it sees your car on the tracks? You're right, it will. About a mile after it hits you, stop. Trains can't. I got to tell you, True Car can easily find you the car you want. With True Price from True Car, you can avoid the confusion you encounter online by getting a great price you can count on before you ever visit a dealership. The True Price includes all dealer fees and accessories. True Car will show you what other people in your area paid for the car you want. Now you know what fair price is so you can feel confident and your certified dealers know this so they can set their true price competitively so they can win your business. Over 3 million cars have been sold to True Car users by the True Car Certified Dealer Network. Over 15,000 True Car Certified Dealers nationwide. True Car users save an average of over three grand off MSRP. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. I've got Britt McHenry lined up. Let me bring in uh, Eddie Garcia, find out what's shaking, and then we're going to go to her. All right, Clay, real quick in the NBA, the Rockets and Warriors both hit the 50-win mark with victories last night. The Rockets beat the Thunder on the road 122-112. to That's also 16 wins in a row for Houston, and that's tied for the longest winning streak this season in the NBA with the Boston Celtics. Warriors, meanwhile, beat the Nets 114-101. to Now, Golden State's a half game back of Houston in the race with the top record in the NBA because the Warriors have one more loss. In college basketball, five more teams are into the NCAA tournament, including Gonzaga, who's going for the 20th straight year after they win the West Coast Conference Tournament Championship again. College of Charleston also going for the first time since 1999 after they won the Colonial Athletic Association Tournament title. Also headed to the NCAA Tournament, Wright State, South Dakota State, and Long Island University of Brooklyn. And Clay, I know you're talking about the sexual assault uh, allegations and things like that, the environment. And you mentioned it in the first hour for people maybe missed it. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban is denying allegations he sexually assaulted a woman in a 2011 incident in a nightclub in Portland, Oregon. Prosecutors said they didn't pursue it because they didn't have enough evidence. Of course, what makes this more of a story is the reports that came out last month about things that were happening with the Mavericks. Their former CEO, Tadima Usri, accused of sexual assault by multiple women, and a team reporter also was eventually fired because of domestic violence issues. Yeah, those allegations, we started off in hour one mentioning them. Uh, Mark Cuban in 2011 alleged to have groped a woman inside of a Portland area club uh, as she was asking to get her photo taken with him. Police investigated it. There's a 50-page report that's been written about by a Portland area news source and they declined to prosecute because they didn't have enough evidence. But in the wake of the president of the Dallas Mavericks, as well as the employee of the Dallas Mavericks, uh, who was fired for uh, inappropriate uh, behavior with women, that's obviously come up as a bigger issue. We bring in Britt McHenry now. She joins us very frequently in this final hour on Wednesdays. Britt, we just had an all-female caller uh, rotation here. And we're reacting, I'm assuming you saw some of the news about the sexual harassment lawsuit against ESPN that's been filed. Uh, But did you see the allegations against Bamani Jones, what he was accused of doing? I did. It's absolutely ludicrous. Like, at first, I was willing to say anything about it, Clay, because she seemingly lists the entire network in that lawsuit. Yes. At first, I was like, oh, do I need to preface everything in, in my view, in my experience? Because 
is she going to try to come after anybody who dare criticizes it? You know, and at this point, looking at all the allegations, I think this is an example of whatever the Me Too movement was supposed to be just gone awry. I mean, looking her, looking at her legs, like, are we really going to file lawsuits now? If, if that was the case, Clay, I'd be suing half of the NFL. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sorry, like, what? Like, elevator eyes? I didn't even know that that was, like, a real saying or something you would put in the lawsuit, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I just thought it was crazy. And, look, I think Bamani Jones got a lot of bad sports opinions, and I rip them uh, occasionally. But the idea – and, by the way, he's single. It's not it, – like, t- some of these guys are married, and so that just makes them look awful because then they have to go home to their wife, and they're like, I- I'm telling you, this is not true. Uh, but it wasn't even that aggressive of allegations against the married guys. But for mm-hmm. a single guy – to get named in a lawsuit as a sexual harasser because he looked at a woman as uh, like in a way that would suggest he was interested in her. Remember, this is the worst case scenario from her perspective. She's making it as egregious as she possibly can. And I read this, and I'm like, how in the world are legitimate and reputable media organizations covering this as a legitimate lawsuit when you actually read all the things she alleges? Yeah, and, and reading through it, it's like you would you would think she believes she's the most desirable woman in the world, right? Like yes. any like exchange of, hey, how's Email. your day going? Yes. What what music do you like means that somebody automatically is going for the worst possible case scenario. I'm not going to say specifically who it is, but I will tell you that there is somebody in, involved in that who m- may have had a, um, a economic hit from this. From you know, not uh, essentially losing a job prospect because of this lawsuit, and I firmly believe this person is innocent. So that's the risk when you announce these sort of things. That's going to affect someone's reputation forever. Those headlines and articles are forever, which in this day and age we've seen. Like at this point, Clay, with all that's written about you, with all that's written about me. And and so many other people in the media, you know, that's not something you're going to live and die by. But when people are up for jobs, a lot of people have left the network either by their own choice or not, as we saw with 250 people laid off last year. I was one of them. When you have things like this, that's going to, like, affect people's lives and careers. And it's a lawsuit with a lot of holes in it already. And, I, you know, I'm angry for my friends, some of them that are listed in it. Yeah, and you know what else? I'm glad you brought up like the headlines because so many people don't actually go to the facts behind the headline. They see insert person here accused of sexual harassment, and they're like, oh, oh, and, and that headline is out there, and it's on Google, and if you're looking for a job, they type in your name, and they look at the most recent articles about you, and if you don't actually click on the link and read through and say, okay, wait, he was accused of sexual harassment because he looked at a girl – and she said that it made her uncomfortable that he seemed to have, like, enjoy looking. Like, it's just so crazy to me that I, I can't happen to help but think also it connected to the Oscars and everything else. Like, there's a difference between sexual harassment and basic male-female interaction. And I feel like oftentimes, as frequently happens with these, uh, you know, sort of mobs that we end up on, we lose all ability to distinguish. And you'll remember this, Britt, I bet. Matt Damon got destroyed in Hollywood. Because he said it's a spectrum, right? And all inappropriate behavior should be should be discouraged. And and but there's different levels. And he was like, there's a difference between somebody hitting some, a girl on the ass and she doesn't want it to happen and rape, right? 
and Minnie yeah. Driver and a lot of other women in Hollywood were like, no, 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 there's no difference. It's all unacceptable on an equal level. And I'm like, that's not how you persuade people that there's an issue. That's how you lose people in the middle of the road. That's a ludicrous position to take. Absolutely. I'm, just for example, today I have a, a networking coffee tor- type of meetup with somebody, right? I was thinking to myself last night, Clay, when I was reaching out to this, this man, is he going to be freaked out? Like, is this going to be perceived as, like, I'm trying to, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, there's some other reason behind wanting to get coffee other than just wanting to get coffee to talk yeah. about work. You know, and, and I think that men have every right to feel that way now because of how ludicrous some of these accusations have been. You know, I, like, if somebody asked you, if it was a, young, a younger female asked you to go get coffee, Clay, to really, ask, to, you know, pick your brain about the business, or ask about what you know career opportunities you might know of within Outkick or elsewhere. I'm pretty sure now with how crazy and off the rails these allegations have gotten within the industry, you might think twice about that, right? I, like you I, might be like, maybe I'll stay away. It's not even a might. I have had lots of conversations <laughs> with men that you know who are prominent in our industry, and they yeah. have said we've had conversations about this. There's nothing to be gained by us being out with a younger woman in any way, one on one, because. Somebody takes a picture of it. Somebody, uh, you don't know the girl, right? Like some, if, if, if a random girl who's 21 years old is in college and she's like, hey, could, I, could you meet with me and, and help me out? I'm, I'm interested in, like, I'm working at so-and-so place, at so-and-so university, and I want to do what you do for a living. I'll give you a perfect example. For years, we had uh, internships that I would do on my radio show. And I would pick mm-hmm. one guy, and I would pick one girl. And right, I was trying to be even because we get a lot of people who'd ask one guy, one girl, and they would get to come and hang out with us. And as you can well imagine, when you're off air, for instance, on a radio show, the conversation that you have off air is different than the conversation that you might have off air, uh, on air. We don't have FCC restrictions off air, right? The conversation is going to be more R rated off air, not all the time, but during the course of a show than it might be. Same way we would with television, like mics go off. Uh, you go to break, and the conversation that you would have in television is different yeah. uh, off-air than it would be on-air. Everybody who's ever done media knows that that's the reality, right? We're all playing mm-hmm. within a different rules for on-air than we are off-air. And I sat around and I said, look, if a guy accuses me of behaving inappropriately with him, what's it going to be? It's going to be like Clay Travis used uh, obscene language. He uh, he cursed, like, and everybody's going to be like, roll their eyes, and they're not going to care, right? They're going to be like, whatever. Yeah. If a girl makes up an allegation that's 100% false, that I did something inappropriate from a sexual harassment-related level with her, people are automatically going to cover it now, and there's going to be the belief that it's true among a certain subset of the population because they want all of these sexual harassment stories to be true. What's the benefit for me of ever extending my hand in this modern society and ever creating that risk for myself? None, other than the the simple fact that you're generous and there's a lot of, you know, generous, kind people who want to see others succeed in this, this business and other ones. But now I, I don't blame anyone for just being like, yeah, I have other plans. <laughs> or I mean, I'm going to bring like four other people with me so that I've got exactly. all these witnesses as to whatever actually happens. And I think the end result on this, and I could be wrong, but I think the end result of a lot of the Me Too era is going to be giving women less opportunities than they were otherwise going to get because it's going to make men who are in positions of power treat them differently than they would men in the exact same position. In other words, I don't get nervous at all if I'm around a 22-year-old guy 
and he asked me questions about career advice and and I'm just I'm not concerned about it right now if yeah. I don't know someone I don't know whether they're good or bad I don't know what angle they're trying to play they can get a lot of attention by alleging something against me that's not remotely true I mean think about this if you are if you are listed in her lawsuit and it's just the, the accusation is you looked at her legs or you asked what kind of music she likes. Yes, that's that crazy, right? That doesn't matter. Yeah, it's it's crazy, and it doesn't matter because if, if you're up for a job, as you mentioned, a quick Google search, every employer is going to do that. Um, it's going to say, you know, sexual serial sexual harasser. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing is harassment. Britt, you know the level, the era that we live in, which is people decide whether they like you or not. So people like Britt McHenry, they like Clay Travis, they do or they don't, right? If they like you, they're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. We see this in politics all the time, right? Yeah. Uh, If they don't like you, then they're going to assume that every accusation against you that is bad is true. And so people don't go to the facts now. So that, that just kind of stays out there lingering as an accusation that it's impossible for you to prove didn't happen. Exactly. I mean, and just even if, and a lot of it too, be one thing if you're already working somewhere, if, if you're well-liked and people know who you are, it's a lot easier to, to get over an obstacle like this or a hump. But if you were in negotiations to start a new job, it doesn't matter if they like you. I mean, if that if that's going to be put around a press release that they, they, they distribute about hiring you, they're just going to say, you know, it's not worth it. No matter how talented you are, this is just not worth it. So, so- I really feel for those people. And, um, you know, Chris Berman, that was the first name I heard, and I was livid about it. Because, look, I know that there's YouTube links. You know, he, the guy had a 30-plus year career at ESPN, and he can be polarizing. And I, some listeners may love Chris Berman. Some may hate him, can't stand him. To me, Clay... He was always so professional. Less than a month after his own, his wife passed away a year ago, he called and reached out to me to say, hey, how are you doing from the layoffs? Like, to me, there was never any sort of uh, treatment like she's accusing him of. And, like, you don't go after Boomer. So I was livid. And a lot of my former colleagues and I were texting about this, upset about it, because you're just damaging the reputation of, of a lot of men in there. Well, I think you're perfect on this story. Did you ever have any issues that were substantive or or like as much as she is alleging about sexual harassment when you worked at ESPN? No. Now, I will say I was never permanently in Bristol, thankfully. (laughs) So, uh, you know, like I I mentioned this, I was on Kirk and Callahan yesterday and on WEI, and and I think some of the guys on the later show – yeah, we're kind of saying I held back or I didn't, you know, I wasn't as opinionated on it. And it's because like that, that's just, that's not an opinion thing to me. Either something inappropriate happened or it didn't. And I I don't mess around with that. And I'm going to be honest, nothing happened to me. There was no, you know, I was always treated professionally, but I also kept my worlds very separate. Like when I went up to Bristol, I would fill in on NFL Live and then I would like drive as far away as I could (laughs) and go to dinner and have my own social life. So, I separated the two worlds, but I was on the road and in clubhouses, in locker rooms. I mean, you're a female sports reporter. No matter how many women they've hired, it is still substantially outweighed against you with men versus women, right? That's just a reality that's never going to change. And, of course, I've had tons of athletes, you know, dozens of athletes hit on me, ask for my number, um, 
you know, told some, hey, I have a boyfriend, they still persisted. Like, I, I've had scenarios, but even in those cases, never in my wildest imagination would I try to connect those dots to really damage someone's livelihood. Like, I just never felt that way. Outstanding as always, Britt McHenry. Go follow her on Twitter at Britt McHenry. <laughs> I am Clay Travis. Final segment of the show next on Fox Sports Radio. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. Also, car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience and don't get killed. Because if you think a train will stop if it sees your car on the tracks, you're right, it will. About a mile after it hits you, stop. Trains can't. Uh, I'm curious. we got all the conference basketball tournaments off and running. How much attention will you guys be paying? Because the games tip off at noon in about, uh, what, three hours from now. And I feel like this is when people start to get such sicknesses. A lot of you are going to be out Thursday and Friday of next week. Uh, I don't blame you at all for the NCAA tournament, finding a way to take off a couple of days, kick back. A lot of you are going to be getting, you know, it's a smart move, vasectomies. There are a lot of doctors out there deciding to go vasectomy advertisements during uh, March Madness. How much attention will you guys put uh, pay to the early round of these conference tournaments that are off and officially running? I know the ACC started yesterday, and I know last week, and we got a lot of the West Coast Conference and all these other conferences that have already gotten done. But I feel like in general... Big East, ACC, SEC, Big 12. Like, this is when Pac-12, people start to pay a lot of attention, even though the Big 10 had its uh, tournament for this year last week. How much attention are you going to pay, Jason Martin? Actually, a pretty good bit. Um, I'm looking forward to these tournaments. Obviously, I grew up in ACC territory on Tobacco Road in Winston-Salem. I grew up going to ACC tournaments back when it was a different kind of conference, certainly when it wasn't in New York. But I, I love these tournaments, even though they're exhibitions, and in a lot of cases they don't really amount to a whole lot for, for many of these teams. We know the teams that are going to be in the tournament, by and large, maybe one or two might change. But for some reason over the last few weeks, I've gotten really into college basketball. I enjoyed watching it last week on my vacation, and I'm looking forward to watching these tournaments and seeing how it shakes out, just because it's so unpredictable right now, and these tournament atmospheres can be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of basketball to watch over the next few days, so I'm more interested in it than I thought I was going to be, I think. I am fascinated all the time, and I tell people to follow this, the bracketmatrix.com, just bracketmatrix.com, because it constantly updates what the what the brackets are likely to look like. Obviously, on Sunday, we'll officially know. Uh, but what about you guys in L.A.? Are you all in on conference basketball tournaments now, or are you more likely to be paying attention to, for instance, NBA regular season? I know Coop is way more of an NBA guy. I definitely start watching college basketball right after the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I'm all in, too. I watched Gonzaga. That was fun. And so I'll handpick some of the games, some of the teams that are intriguing to me. I'm headed up on Friday. As soon as I finish this show, I'm hopping into a car and driving up to St. Louis for the SEC basketball tournament. So I'm paying the most attention to that one. I'll probably gamble on that the most, but I'll be up there with the home loan expert on Friday and Saturday in their suite, which is going to be pretty cool. Um, and uh, I'm pretty excited about it. The next week, I'm going to be out in Vegas. We're going to do, by the way, an OutKick meetup. If you guys are listening right now, if you're in Las Vegas or maybe you're uh, on the West Coast or wherever you are in the country, if you're going out to Vegas for the NCAA tournament, we're going to do an OutKick meetup uh, on Thursday, I believe, in one of the sports books. So 
follow me on Twitter if you're interested in swinging by and seeing that and hanging out some in Vegas. We try to do these events every now and then. So Thursday of next week in Vegas on the opening Thursday of the NCAA tournament, we're going to have an OutKick event. File that one away if you know that you are going to be in Vegas that weekend, as I'm sure a lot of you are, because it's the best weekend, I think, all year to be in Las Vegas. I've been fortunate to do that like the last six or seven years. Uh, and uh, the Thursday and Friday in Vegas for the NCAA tournament, tough to beat. Games start early, but my God, if it isn't an awful lot of fun. Uh, I appreciate all of you. Thanks to the guests. Go download the podcast. Millions of you are doing it. We're blowing up there. can search it out. Outkick three guests today. Most recently, Britt McHenry. She was great. Jeff Schwartz was outstanding. And we gave you gambling tips with Johnny Oddshark in hour one. I'm Clay Travis on Outkick. Thanks. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.